uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Just before Thanksgiving, Colby Powell is joining me. I'm Carson Cunningham. We had to knock one out before the Thanksgiving holiday. Colby, have you done all your uh, turkey responsibilities? I don't know if if you're cooking one or not, but have you done all your Thanksgiving responsibilities before we hit record? (laughs) Fortunately for me, I'm not the one who has to cook the turkey. We will be heading to my parents tomorrow, so... My responsibilities are pretty much at a minimum. I got to do a little bit of house cleaning today and some laundry, I think. And uh, other than that, my my Thanksgiving responsibilities are at a minimum. I'm with you. I, I don't think I've ever had the duty of cooking a turkey. It just seems, it seems rather daunting. Like it seems like a, a really tough process in terms of everything. And you can screw it up really easily. I think if I did one, it'd be like the one on... Uh, Christmas vacation that like just deflates I think I would just cook it wrong so thankfully I'm not in charge because I'm not that great of a cook but uh, before we head out for Thanksgiving uh, Colby there was the new college football rankings that were put out Um, oh first let's get to the the Christmas University Spirit Uh, we always appreciate their sponsorship you can go to christuniversityspirit.com do all your shopping needs and uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the podcast and uh, once again Thanks to Chris's. All right, let's get to the first five, Colby. Uh, college football playoff rankings are out. OSU, 23. Oklahoma at 11. They were the second highest two-loss team behind Georgia, who inexplicably was nine, despite beating really nobody, just having a Georgia logo on their helmet. But I digress. So uh, any takeaways from the, the college football playoff rankings that came out last night? Uh, yeah, a couple. Number one, if you would have told me – uh on september 1st that a we were gonna get the entire college football season in and b that on thanksgiving day oklahoma state was going to be ranked behind coastal carolina in the first (laughs) college football playoff rankings i probably would have said something's gone very very wrong and something has gone very very wrong so i thought it was interesting to to pull that up and see uh coastal carolina ahead of oklahoma state also like you said my my other takeaway from this I saw where Georgia was at last night, and it just made me want to puke just how significant helmet logo is in all of this. I They played two good teams, Carson, two. And they got drummed both times. They lost by 16 to Florida. They lost by 17 to Alabama. Those are the two good teams they played. They played Auburn. Auburn was ranked number seven at the time. I guess they're getting a top 10 win for that. That's a joke. We know Auburn's not a top 10 team after this week. They'll be out of the top 25 after they lose to Alabama. So I just – it it sickens me every year how a team like Georgia just gets this ridiculous, overwhelming benefit of the doubt. And it, it's almost like they, they get credit and they get moved up for these quality losses. So I, I don't know. If, if you're going to leave Georgia up there with two losses because they lost to good teams, then – Let's move Oklahoma State from about 23 to about 16 since they had a nice quality loss Saturday night. I guess if you beat Penn State, you get a top 10 win too because they were eighth in the country to begin the year and they're 0-5. And, and that just shows you how stupid like, – like like Penn State, they're going to be ranked in the top 10 virtually every year unless they didn't win a game the previous year like they're going to this year. Like that's how stupid the preseason rankings are. And of all years, like – I went into last night going, all right, I have no skin in the game. Oklahoma's not going to be close. Oklahoma State will be lucky to be in the top 25. 
I'm not going to sit here and get upset for the Big 12 because it doesn't matter this year. They're not getting in. And there I was when Georgia popped up at nine. I was triggered. Once again, I was triggered. And making matters even better, Colby, is now I used to have a running joke about Iowa, how, you know, those, those certain years in the Big Ten where a Big Ten school won't play anybody with a pulse and they'll go undefeated for the first nine, ten games because of it. That year that Iowa did, and they were being ranked in like the top five when oh, yeah. OSU would have hammered them by four touchdowns, just sent me over the edge a few years ago. And now Iowa's athletic director is like the chairman that gets up there and speaks. It's like, it's too perfect. You know who should be upset today? The fan base that should be upset is uh, the Miami Hurricanes fan base. They're ranked one spot behind Georgia. Georgia has played seven games. They've lost two. Miami's played eight games. They've lost one. And the one that they lost was to Clemson. They beat them 42 to 17. Well, that's a quality loss. They've got a top 25 win against the Louisville team. They beat Florida State by 42. They've basically handled everybody else on their schedule. And they're seven and one. Uh, only loss being to Clemson. And they're a spot behind two lost Georgia. Somebody explain to me how that happens. What about BYU? I think they deserve to be the most irate. Where are they even ranked? They're ranked like 14th and they're oh undefeated. Oh my God. <laughs> and now they're, so, they're so how always. Does Cincinnati get to, how, how does Cincinnati get slotted in at seven at eight and oh, and BYU get slotted in at 14 at nine and oh? I, I, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. And if, if any year a, a non power five could get in, I would think it'd be this year. But just look at the top four. I mean, that, that top four is not changing, even if. Notre Dame loses a game they will have already beaten Clemson so I think those two are, are virtually a lock it barring a you know a big upset and then I think you know it's Alabama and then Ohio State I think I think the top four is set on November 25th I really do yeah it's weird I, I feel the same way but I also feel like every year we kind of think we have a clear picture and then something crazy happens in college football but as long as Notre Dame and Clemson don't lose before the ACC championship game, you would assume Clemson's going to get their revenge. would leave both of them with one loss to each other. So I think they would still both be in. They just wouldn't match them up in the first round of the playoff. They'd be probably the two and the four. Um, and then Alabama, as long as they lose twice, they're getting in. The only question I have is with Ohio State. And because they're playing a, a limited number of games – do you think Ohio State has a cushion, or do you think because they're only going to play, what, eight games, that if they lose even one, they're out? I tend to think if they lose even one, they're out, but I would put nothing past the committee in terms of Ohio State eyeballs watching the playoff on television. I and mean, that's, that's what they've done with this playoff is it's become far less about what you've done on the field and, and far more about TV ratings and what you bring to the table. I mean, that's why Ohio State got in over TCU and Baylor. Uh, it, obviously that the helmet logo matters, but I think the eyeballs and, and revenue matters far more. And so like to paint that picture even further, Colby, like let's say Clemson goes into quadruple overtime against Notre Dame and loses again, this time with Trevor Lawrence. Couldn't they say, well, we didn't have Trevor in the first game. We lost in overtime. We had him this time. So really like if the committee looks at a, a two loss Clemson and let's say Iowa state runs the table, beats Oklahoma, is there any chance Iowa State with two losses is getting in over Clemson? They're just going to go back to the, the helmet logo and the eye test, the quote-unquote eye test that they love so much. That's what, that's what yeah, they've created with the playoff. Game. The playoff now, they pick who they want. Yeah. They don't pick the deserving team. They don't pick what you've done on the field. They pick how many eyeballs will watch, what do they look like coming off the bus, and how many draft picks do they have. They don't, 
they don't because the resumes haven't really mattered all that much. They really haven't. Yeah, TCU got completely screwed the first year. Uh, beat Iowa State fifty-five to three the last week of the season, and then get jumped for the four spot. Now, of course, Ohio State went on to win it, but that's not the point. The point is they didn't deserve to be there based on what they did in the regular season. I think this year it's it's tough to make that argument for the Big 12 for a team like Iowa State because, you know, if Iowa State does run the table and they beat OU for a second time, that would be very, very impressive. But they also lost to Oklahoma State, and they also lost the season opener to Louisiana. So, uh, yeah, the Big 12 no longer has a path to the playoff, I don't think. Obviously, OU's in there at number 11, but the series of events that would have to take place for OU to get from 11 to 4, I just don't think that that series of events is realistic, possible, um, any anything like that. So I think the Big 12 is pretty much out of it this year, and uh, honestly, probably deservingly so. If nobody in your conference can make it out with one loss, you probably don't deserve to be in the playoff. Well, I think OU, Barry Trammell wrote, I think OU was 11 or 10 last year and made it. They were about nine the year before that and made it. So they're not, they're not out of it yet now. Yeah. They only had one loss those years though. That's true. And there's far less, you know, landmines for the Ohio States, of the world this year, obviously. So, and I, I don't think, like, I think Oklahoma, like in a roundabout way, like I know their defense, they could probably hold up a lot better in the playoff, but I think they might need to take a year off from the playoff. Cause I think they're going to be way better next year and then make another run at it. Cause there already is like this OU fatigue with getting in. So maybe they, maybe they deserve to take a year off, but I digress. Uh, speaking of OU Colby, uh, a big topic this week and in, in controversy is the, uh, the OSU equipment staff member who went up in the stands to get the football on an extra point or field goal uh, was assaulted by some OU fans and the video, you know, went, went viral. His, his mother uh, posted on Facebook about it, said he had some hurt ribs and look, Oklahoma, for those that don't know, they had this tradition, quote unquote tradition, according to my friend, Eddie Radosevich, it's only been going on for 10 years. So it's not really that big of a tradition, but when the ball goes in the stands, everyone kind of throws it back upwards, kind of like the beach ball, uh, they do with a beach ball and go all the way to the very top of the stadium and then throw the football out of the stadium for the opposing team, which I guess that's funny to me. It's like, it's stupid. It's frankly, it's, it's classless. I mean, you're, you're trying to play, f- these dudes are trying to do their job and like, it's part of the football, like you're interfering with the football game. Like I think I'm sure it's funny when you're, you're boozing and whatever else, but the fact that they, literally assaulted these kids to get the football is is frankly embarrassing and I, I hope Oklahoma actually does something about it uh I have a question and I don't know the answer to this question the people in that end zone who basically beat up the equipment manager to get the football from him are these students or are these grown adults uh, that is not the student section now that's can, okay that's that season ticket holder section down there in that end zone now when I was a student at OSU, my, my buddy had season tickets in the OU section and we went and sat there. So I, I'm not sure if they were students or not. It's hard to tell, but that's not, that's not the student section where the ball went. Yeah. That makes it so much worse if it's not students, because it would still be bad if it were students, but you can kind of explain that away as college kids being idiots. We've all been there. Um, if you're a grown adult, I, I don't know. It just seems weird. The, the fascination to me, with fans wanting to touch 
the ball that, that's played with in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way at, at baseball games, you know, people who sit close at basketball games. If the ball comes anywhere near them, people freak out. And I, I don't totally understand that fascination. Um, but, yeah, that, that deal Saturday was um, – it, it was a bad look. It was a bad look for, for the OU fans. And I know most of them have come out and said, you know, we're sorry that this happened. It's – it's the 1% making the 99% look bad, but still like, I mean, it's a football to throw out of the stadium. Not only that, they've asked you to stay away from everybody because of COVID and you dogpile on the <laughs> OSU equipment manager yeah. and, and break his ribs. I, the whole thing, it's just a bad, bad deal. Yeah. It's, it's a stupid, it's stupid anyway. It's really stupid when you start assaulting opposing teams, equipment dudes who are just trying to do their job. So I did have to touch on that because it was a big topic this week. Hey, real, uh, let's, real quick, let me interrupt. Are you a soccer fan? Oh, yeah. I'm a huge soccer fan. Did you get the update just now? About Diego Maradona? Yes. Passed away at the age of 60. I did see that. Very yeah, I, suddenly. I, Cardiac arrest this morning. Well, the man lived a hard life. I know it was oh, sudden. Did. but He did. Um, I'm Quite frankly, I'm somewhat surprised he lasted until he was 60 with all the drugs he's done in his life. But... But no, it's a it's big news. It's worldwide news. Um, I already tweeted out kind of like a, a mini highlight video of him. Um, nice. So he, nice. you know, he was the Messi before Messi, and the, the old question was oh, yeah. Pele or Maradona. Who's your who's your goat? And so, uh, yeah, it's big news. Now I, I grew up playing. I was a soccer player growing up, so I'm a big okay. uh, big Man U fan, and I follow up pretty close. Yeah, rest in uh, peace to one of the great ones. Diego that's your uh, that's your soccer section of the week on the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, Colby, I can't let Bedlam go. I had to I had to listen to more reaction this week. And I want to touch on two reactions that really kind of reinforced what we spoke about on our podcast. And for people who think maybe we're being too harsh on Mike Gundy's coaching acumen, I, I just want to go over these two. Uh, Teddy Lehman, the uh, legendary linebacker for Oklahoma calls the game for Oklahoma in the radio booth for the Sooner Sports Radio Network. I think one of the smartest football minds you can listen to. He's he's great at breaking down football to where my mom can understand it, but also sophisticated enough for people that follow football really close. And he was on the franchise, and I happened to hear it, and they just kind of were asking about the game. And and this is someone that he he gets no he gets no thrill out of just ripping Mike Gundy. He, he wasn't even ripping him. He was literally in shock when he was watching the game unfold with the lack of game plan from OSU, a lack of creativity in terms of exploiting OU secondary, literally the lack of doing anything different at all. And he, he kept using the word, it was shocking to watch. And that's, I'm sure what Alex Grinch was thinking up in the booth as the Oklahoma defensive coordinator. He had to be like, oh, they're just going to keep doing this instead of trying to run some misdirection, trying to spread the field and make our secondary guys tackle in space. So Teddy Lehman viewed it as shocking, just like you and I did. Yeah, I mean, go put the film of Iowa State up against Oklahoma and then put the film of Oklahoma State up. And you can see that a team like Iowa State goes out and what do they do? They figure out what OU's bad at, and they exploit it. They kept lining Kolar up against Buki. They kept getting the matchup they want. They had them spread out. It, it gave Brees Hall some running room in between the tackles because they had it spread out, and they were able to move the ball up and down the field and beat Oklahoma. And then look at what Oklahoma State did, which was line up with a bunch of Cowboy backs, 
not spread the field at all, get everything as compact as possible, and let the OUD line tee off the entire day. And because a lot of times Oklahoma State would only have two to three guys out in the routes, well, I mean, OU's secondary is not great, but if you've got five or six guys back there and they only have to defend two or three receivers, I like their chances. If you can double team everybody who's out in a route. So I, you know, I've even been debating whether, and I know we're going to talk about Adam Lunt here in a minute. He, he sends out his film breakdowns and stuff. And a lot of times I go back and watch those and I'm debating whether I even want to this week because I, I feel better Monday, you and I doing that podcast. It was therapeutic. I got it all out of my system. <laughs> And I've, I felt good. I've had a good week. The holidays are here. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. And I know if I go watch the film, it's going to make me angry. So I haven't decided whether I'm going to. Uh, don't watch the film and certainly don't listen to Adam Lunt's podcast if your blood pressure can't can't handle it. <laughs> Again, Adam Lunt, my uh, my old fraternity brother from college, he, he has a great OSU-centric podcast called The Tape Doesn't Lie. Uh, he, he breaks the game down far more X's and O's than, than I do. And certainly you do too, Colby. And he's He's really into like line play and, and stuff like that. And he broke down every single play of the game. He, he rewatched the whole thing. And some of his keys that he thought OSU should do aligned with what you and I kind of talked about too, in terms of spreading the field. And one thing he really pointed out was what was quick throws to the receivers to make the DBs tackle in space and misdirection. And he charted it. He thinks they only ran about five or six. I think I'm paraphrasing here, five or six misdirection plays. And they were literally like the only successful plays OSU ran all day. And he went into the game thinking OSU should run, you know, 35 misdirection plays. And this is a guy who's not the head coach at Oklahoma State. And I think that just shines a light on the poor coaching job Mike Gundy's doing. That's, that's, the, that's the fact of the matter. And one last thing, he also said that their offense is too simplistic. It's too bland. Uh, he, he agreed with you about having too many bunch formations with two receivers. It just, the entire game plan was a massive, like OSU's players were set up to fail by their coaching staff. And that, that to me is inexcusable. Yeah. I, the more I've gone back and thought about Saturday night, the less and less that I blame the players. Cause I just don't think they were put in a position to succeed. And he talks about the simplistic offense, you know, you and I, we both watch a lot of football and I'm sure people, uh, listening here, watch a lot of football collegiately and professionally and watch the teams who are great offensively. And when they line up, regardless of formation, you just don't really know what's coming. I mean, there's a lot of different things that they could throw at you and, and you don't know what's coming or where it's coming from. And those offenses have a lot of success. And then watch Oklahoma State's offense. And, and tell me if you can narrow it down to about two plays that they're going to run out of just about any formation. They're going to turn around and give it to Chuba or LD, and they're going to run off guard, or they're going to ask Tylen to be Superman. And it's just, again, it's so simplistic. That was such, you were dead on about Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch had to have been sitting in the box Saturday night. And after the first quarter, he's like, all right, they're going to start throwing stuff at us. And after the second quarter, he's like, all right, guys, I think after halftime, they're going to start throwing stuff at us. And then once they punted from your side of the 40, Alex Grinch is like, all right, these guys don't know what they're doing. We're good. We're set. <laughs> exactly. So, again, check out check out Lunt's podcast. He does a great job if you want to get angry about it all over again. He also previews the uh, upcoming 
Texas Tech game. So, and we'll, we'll pick the OSU-Texas Tech game here in just a second. But I did want to touch on, you know, today's Wednesday. Cade Cunningham makes his long-awaited debut today at 3 o'clock for the OSU basketball program. And uh, you need to go to Pistols Firing, uh, the, the site, because Marshall Scott wrote a really good long-form piece about Cade and how he got to OSU making his debut. And uh, it's, it's a long time coming. And I thought the most interesting piece of that, Colby, was he mentions how Mike Boynton was there at Cade's high school recruiting, I believe it's Kyler Edwards, who ended up going to Texas Tech. And he sees Cade and he assumes he's a senior. He's 6'5", looks the part, goes up to the coach and is like, what's this kid's deal? Is he, is he going to sign late? Like, uh, I'll try and help him get to a, a Southland school or something. And this is when Boynton's an assistant under Underwood at OSU. And he finds out Kate Cunningham's a freshman. And Mike Boynton offers him on the spot, offers him a scholarship without Brad Underwood's blessing, because he knows that this kid's going to be special. And he goes through the recruiting process. He takes trips to Kentucky, to all the Blue Bloods, and he still sticks with OSU. So it's, it's been a long time coming. And uh, it's fascinating to hear kind of the relationship those, those two guys have. Yeah, the, the recruiting process of Boynton. I think everybody kind of thinks that Cade only came to Oklahoma State because his brother is an assistant on the coaching staff. And while I certainly think that that was part of it, and I think we kind of know that that was part of it. I mean, he said in his commitment video, blood's thicker than water, I'm going to Oklahoma State. I think it's a little underestimated just how important the relationship with Mike Boynton was in all that and, and how much Cade trusts Mike Boynton. Because, I mean, your brother's an assistant, but you're playing for the head coach. So you better trust that that guy – can do what you need him to do so that you can be the number one pick. Because as long as nothing goes wrong, Cade's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And I, I think uh, today you got against UT Arlington. I know you're probably thinking, ah, UT Arlington, we won't be able to watch that at 3 o'clock. Absolutely we will. It is on ESPN. That's one of the benefits <laughs> of having the number one pick in the NBA draft <laughs> on your team. Is you get to play it on ESPN the day before Thanksgiving at 3 o'clock on a Wednesday and uh, Fran Fraschilla, Mark Neely will be on the call. So I am, I'll tell you what, especially after Saturday, what happened Saturday night in Norman, I am geeked for college basketball season. Well, and I, me too. And, and I haven't watched a lot of Cade Cunningham. I'm sure a lot of people haven't. I'm not going to YouTube and watching high school, like high school highlights in basketball, especially do very little for me just because usually the kids that are going to high level D ones are just are beating up on, on some kids, but Here's an idea of what Cade Cunningham is. This is from Sam Vecini, who works for The Athletic. He put out his 2021 NBA mock draft, and he had Cade Cunningham number one. And he said, Cade Cunningham is not only one of the best prospects I've ever evaluated at the high school level, but also one of my favorite players to watch. Everything about Cunningham looks likely to translate at a high level in the NBA, and he gets better every time I see him. So we haven't got to see a lot of him yet. We're about to watch him for an entire season, hopefully COVID permitted. And uh, I, I frankly can't wait. I know he's a bit of a combo point guard slash shooting guard, and you know he's six seven. Uh, so man, and and I'm 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 so excited to watch him, Colby. And I'm just so shocked that OSU is not even ranked. No, everyone knows they have the number one projected pick in the entire NBA draft next year. And, like, isn't that at least worth like the, the number twenty five ranking? Like that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. We, we've seen guys come in and these elite recruits, uh, you know, like Carmelo comes in. He goes to Syracuse. Syracuse was already great, and then they added Carmelo and won a national title. We've also seen guys like Ben Simmons down at LSU, who everybody was going to be new. Everybody knew was going to be the number one pick in the draft. They didn't make the tournament. 
We saw Markel Fultz at Washington. That wasn't a very good Washington team, and everybody kind of knew he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. So it can go both ways, but I do find it a little bit odd. Oklahoma State finished seventh in the Big 12 Conference last year, and that's with everything that went wrong. Isaac Likely's sickness, all the injuries, just the complete lack of depth. They finished seventh last year in the Big 12, and in the Big 12 preseason polls this year, they were picked seventh. And I'm like, so you're telling me everyone else in the Big 12 added as much to their team as Oklahoma State did with Cade Cunningham, Farron Flavors, Donovan Williams, Matthew Alexander Moncrief, Montreal Pena, Rondell Walker. I mean, you're telling me everybody else in the in the Big 12 improved their team as much as Oklahoma State did in one offseason? I find that hard to believe. That's the thing. I don't, I don't think people are paying attention at all to the other additions that you just reeled off. Like, it's not as if – it's Cade Cunningham and the Seven Dwarfs. I mean, Mike Boyden's been recruiting big-time athletes. The, the the other kid from Canada is supposed to be big-time good. So, yeah, I I can't wait to watch. And the style of play is going to be fun because they're going to play small. They're going to be long and athletic. Very. He's built his team kind of like a, an NBA team in terms of length, athleticism, uh, shooting, and defense. So that's going to be it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Uh, you want to pick the football game? You excited to talk about OSU football? Absolutely. I love talking about OSU football. My favorite. <laughs> well, obviously they have Texas Tech. It's 11. And I mean, I think this is a really tough spot to get up for, Colby, to convince your players to get up for it because you get drummed in Bedlam, the game you look forward to all season long. You benched your franchise quarterback. You got to convince him that he's still the guy if they, if they start him. I assume they'll be starting him. And you're playing at 11 a.m. against a Tech team that's no good at all. I think this is a really tough spot for OSU. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a bad spot. I, Man, I've gone back and forth. I don't think they're going to lose the game. I do think Texas Tech's pretty bad, but I just don't feel nearly as good about it as I did a few weeks ago. We've seen this team kind of just feels like they're imploding on themselves, and it's not just the injuries. The, the coaching staff feels like it's imploding on itself i i think that you know the jury probably is still a little bit out on casey dunn but obviously things have not gone well in his first year um by the way oklahoma state has scored 165 points this year in six conference games 165 <laughs> the only teams that have scored less are kansas they've scored 83 points and baylor has scored 161 points four points less wow. than oklahoma state so this offense it's, it's been bad, Carson, really bad. Bottom of the Big 12, bad. And I, I don't know, are, are we staring a 27-21 game in the face in Lubbock? It just it sounds weird to even say out loud. Well, it's at home. It is. At, oh, shoot, it is at home. So, I mean, home? I – but, no, I, I understand your point. And, I look, if, if you want me to sit here and, and say that OSU is going to drop 35 or more on Texas Tech – I'm not willing to say that. I'm just not. I mean, I, they, they can't run the football. It's Texas Tech. Obviously, they should have more success running the football than they did against Oklahoma, obviously. I don't know. I mean, short of Chuba breaking a long home run run and Tylen Wallace putting on his cape, I just don't see a lot of avenue for success unless, and this would be even more maddening, I think, for OSU fans, if, if they come out against Tech – and show all this new stuff and run run a lot of misdirection and clearly game planned against Texas Tech's weaknesses, unlike the Oklahoma game. Well, then I think they get to 35 points, but I got to see it. Again, they have 12 offensive touchdowns this year against teams not named Kansas. That tells you all I need to know about how bad the offense is. So, and I think 
Alan Bowman is going to get the start, who has been benched uh, by Tech this season. I think he's so much better than the guy they've been playing. I think Bowman was kind of a bit of a scapegoat for Tech. Uh, maybe, frankly, a little bit like Spencer Sanders for Gundy. Uh, so I think Bowman could come out and really test OSU secondary far more than the other guy who his name escapes me. The Cor- uh, Columbia, I think. Columbia. I almost called him Corgi, guy, yeah. like the dog. But uh, So B- Bowman starting kind of raises my eyebrows. But no, I mean, OSU should win this game. There's, there's no doubt about it. But this is kind of a, a game that will really test what Mike Gunny talks about with the culture and putting the last one behind you, because I do think this is a really hard game to get up for, but I'll pick it Colby. I'll go, I'll go 28 to 13. I, I trust OSU's defense. Again, I thought they played well for the most part, other than that opening haymaker from Oklahoma, they played really well. And I think they shut down tech. So I'll, I'll go 28, 13, but I have no confidence whatsoever. Yeah. I'm really struggling with even who to pick to win this game. I just looked up the line. Oklahoma state's an 11 point favorite in this one. Feels like a lot. I'm looking at the last two meetings between Texas tech and a couple years ago in Stillwater, Alan Bowman came in, went 35 of 46 for 397 yards, had two touchdowns against two interceptions. Texas tech ran the ball for almost 230 yards and just absolutely drummed Oklahoma State. And then last year, this team goes down to Lubbock. And if you'll remember, Spencer Sanders had the turnover fit in the first quarter. And then Jet Duffy lit Oklahoma State on fire with 400-plus passing yards, four passing Jet Duffy. So, I mean, in in consecutive years, you've given up 40-plus to Texas Tech, and their quarterbacks have absolutely obliterated you. So, man, I'm – I'm really, really struggling with this one. I think Oklahoma State's defense is a lot better. Um, man, they're struggling to score the ball right now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State barely bouncing back. 27-26. Oklahoma State wins. Oof, close one. Uh, I, I mean, one. I think I think we're gonna be sweating it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Uh, let's get to the Christie University Spirit uniform preview where we make our picks for the uniforms on Saturday. Again, all day, every day, Chris's University Spirit has free standard shipping on orders over $50. That excludes panoramas and diploma frames as well. So go to Chris University Spirit, get your holiday shopping done. It's it's all, it's hoodie season, Colby. It's chill in the air. Uh, I saw Mike Boynton rocking the old school OSU uh, hoodie. So if you want a good hoodie to get uh, to get you fired up for OSU basketball, go to ChrisUniversitySpirit.com. What's your uh, uniform picks for Saturday? Yeah, so I'm looking here. Two years ago, whenever they lost to Texas Tech at home, uh, they wore black helmets with gray pants and uh, gray shirts. And then last year in Lubbock, they wore white, white, black. So they're kind of experimenting with what they can wear that might work against Texas Tech, I think. I don't think they're going to go back to the gray since they got drummed a couple years ago in them. So I think we're going to see some orange out of Oklahoma State on Saturday. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go black helmets, orange jerseys, black pants. Black helmets, orange jerseys, black pants. That's a good pick. That, that to me is right there. It's right up there with all black and the black, black orange. I've always loved that look. They wore it when they won Bedlam in 2011 to win the Big 12. That's a good pick. Uh, I'll go a little different. I'm with you. I think, man, I, I just think they're going to wear orange jerseys, but I want to, 
I'm going to go kind of off the board here. I'm going to go orange helmet, orange jerseys, Ooh, black pants. I like it. And I think they go to that. What is that orange helmet they busted out last year? I think it's got the the scary Pete on it with the black face mask. I think they I think they go with that one. I think they busted that out last year for a new helmet. So I'll go orange, orange, black. Colby's got black, orange, black. So we'll see if we can. And uh, by the way, I would be I would be thrilled with either of those. Yeah, those are great picks, um, uh, which means we'll get like black, gray, gray, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, something standard. That's what they wore two years ago when they got drummed by Alan Bowman, so that would be about par for the course. Um, do we want to do a couple Twitter questions before yeah, we get out of here? Yeah, let's, let's knock out a couple of those and we'll get out. Uh, yeah, so Jay Hildebrand asks, any chance of a mutual parting of ways between Gundy and OSU? Uh, I say no. I mean, I think Gundy can call his own shot. I don't think – I don't, I don't think he's wanting to retire, so I, I say no. Uh, yeah, I'm probably thinking mutual isn't going to happen. I mean, he, he makes a lot of money. That's pretty good gig, and there's not another $5 million gig out there. So. Well, and he um, has a contract that auto-renews. So yeah, I think they're going to. It's basically to, in his court. Yeah, isn't there something in his contract where it auto-renews unless they go in and yes. shut yes. that down? I'm betting they're going to go in and shut down the auto renew after this season. <laughs> I would hope so. But I don't think they'll fire him because yeah. it would just be too expensive. Right. So, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, Robbie Spencer, offensive line talent, has been a glaring weakness for the past few years. What's the key to Oklahoma State improving offensive line play in the coming years? Well, it's simple for me. It's, it's retain Charlie Dickey. I think Charlie Dickey is a really good offensive line coach. But the fact is they've had four offensive line coaches in six years. So the turnover has really – bit them the uh the hires frankly that, that gundy made were bad hires and didn't recruit very well and again like he he couldn't work it out with josh henson who bounced he couldn't work it out with joe wickline who bounced those are the two best o-line coaches they've had over that span so he's got to figure out how to retain his coaches and get along with them yeah and it seems like charlie dickey is a good offensive line coach you know he comes high, highly regarded to stillwater seemed like he did a pretty good job last year obviously hasn't been dealt the best hand this year but you've got to recruit better at that position you've got to get better guys in the door uh so that you can do some things up front and another thing that you have to do put them in position to be successful don't run the same two run plays all night long don't don't make your quarterback stand back there for four seconds because all you're doing is hoping that tylen can get open against double coverage allow your offensive line a chance for some success as well uh here's one from lewis pineda he says are we overreacting to this loss based on the level of opponent Gundy's historic bedlam timidness and injuries, this seemed inevitable. Should we just focus on the fact that we are where we thought we would be going into the season? Well, I mean, Chuba Hubbard sat up there and said, we're bringing a national championship to Stillwater. That's where they thought, that's where the team thought they were going to be. I mean, that's, that's what it looked like, you know, midway through the season when they beat Iowa State at home and, in, and they had Texas down and, and gave that game away. So I don't want to hear that overreacting. I think we're reacting to where this team is heading. I mean, you just picked you just picked OSU to beat Tech, Texas Tech by one point at home. If this team was anywhere close to what we thought it was going to be, we wouldn't be doing that. So I think I don't think we're overreacting at all. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, just on the point of this being where we thought we would be at this point in the season, if you would have told me that with three games left, Oklahoma State does not control its own destiny to get to Jerry's world, and yeah. Oklahoma State needs – a, a crazy series of dominoes to fall. You know, Texas has to beat Iowa State, and then Texas needs to lose one of its 
final two games coming down the stretch to bad teams. I just said, no, we're, we're not where we thought we would be going into the season. I thought Oklahoma State was going to make it to Jerry's world, and we've got three games left, and it certainly looks like it would take a miracle for that to happen. So, um, no, I don't think that we are where we thought we would be going into this season. And I think the reaction to the loss has been pretty appropriate. Carson, I'm curious, after Monday, you know, we, we let it – we didn't pack any punches on Monday. What have your mentions looked like the last two days? Because I've had nothing but people – uh, who agree that it's getting ridiculous. I've had zero Mike Gundy defenders in my mentions, which right. is rare. I mean, usually when I'm critical of Mike, I get I get some blowback and that's understandable. Look, if I can criticize the product on the field, criticize Mike Gundy's coaching, people can certainly criticize my analysis. I'm, I'm, I fully accept that, but it's been it's been overwhelmingly positive, Colby. I think everyone's tired of seeing what we've watched. And, and you mentioned recruiting. I mean, they're 45th in the country in uh, 24-7's composite rankings behind teams like uh, Baylor, Rutgers, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Boston College, Kentucky, Missouri, NC State, Maryland, Minnesota. Teams like that is who they're behind in recruiting. So when you're winning 10 games, you can say, hey, our recruiting rankings don't matter. When you're not getting close to 10 wins three years in a row, um, it matters. And your, the trajectory of your program matters. So, Yeah, we got, we got three basketball questions. Let's kind of lump these into one so we can move along here. Brian Metcalf says, can you talk me back to earth? Talking about basketball in a league with Baylor, Tech, and Kansas. Uh, some more basketball questions. Corbin just asked on a scale of one to 10, how excited are we? For basketball season and then we got a good question from joshua corbett who said is right now the best time for osu basketball to regain some fans that were lost to the thunders run of the last decade what say you carson i say yes i just it's a shame with with covid that they can't pack out gallagher iba i think i think no one really talks about how the fact when osu's gotten good under underwood and boynton when they've made runs there and the, during those seasons gallagher iba has been full for the biggest games and I think that's where we were heading before COVID. So uh, I do think the timing is good with the thunder stinking. Uh, I do think the timing is good with the disillusionment with Mike Gundy. And obviously the timing is great with, with Kate Cunningham. So, yeah, I think people are really going to get behind this team. And we're going to see an excitement level we frankly haven't seen from OSU since, gosh, 2008, when they almost beat the number one seed Pitt in, uh, in the second round of the tournament. So it's been a long time. Yeah, I think we had the excitement level. Whenever Marcus Smart held his rally in the student union and him and LeBron Nash and oh, Marcus Brown were all coming good back. Point. I think the excitement level was there that season, but then that team, of course, underwhelmed and lost in the first round of the tournament. Oh, and another thing, by the way, I'm at a 10 on excitement for basketball. And yes, I think a lot of fans are going to start to come back starting. I'll go 10 as well. Yeah. With Kate. I'm, I'm absolutely at a 10. My question, Carson, is it is November 25th. Thanksgiving is tomorrow, and the NCAA still has not let us know what they're going to do with <laughs> Oklahoma State's appeal. What, are they going to wait until after the tournament to let us know? I guess so. OSU's going to OSU's going to be raising the banner or lifting the trophy, and the NCAA is going to run out there with like an envelope and hand it to Mike Boynton. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. So I who knows? And if, if I'm OSU, I, I I tie that up in lawsuits for the next twelve months anyway. So even if they come back with an appeal, I'm I'm suing them, I'm extending it, and I'm playing out the season. Oh, and, and uh, real quick, last one for me on Twitter. Uh, Patty asks, over, under, on Big 12 wins for the Hoopers, nine and a half. They were seven and 11 last year in conference. Would you take the over or the under on nine and a half? 
I'd go over. I mean, I think this seems way better than last year's team. And I, ha- I know I haven't seen them in action, but just top to bottom talent is so much better in, in terms of what they have coming back. Now, they don't have the experience that matters. So I think I think it's a good number, but I'll go over. Uh, yeah, I'll go over as well. If I had to put an exact number on it, I think I would go 11 and 7. Just flip the 7 and 11 from last year. Uh, I mean, in college basketball, one player can make such a big difference. And I think Kate is going to, not to mention the fact you get ice back, you got both the Boone twins, and they really needed a shooter. And assuming he's able to live up to what he did at Cal Baptist and shoot close to the same percentage, I think they got that in fair and flavors. Um, so, yeah, I would go 11 and 7 if I had to put a number on it. Uh, Vicini in that column on the athletics said that uh, people he's talked to that have watched OSU's practices says flavors is the best shooter, but Cade's right there as number, the, the second best shooter on the team, which that's kind of been the question about him moving to the NBA is can his shot develop? Sounds like he's already developing it and we're going to get to watch it very soon, uh, starting with today in Stillwater. So that's exciting. Colby, I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, appreciate you joining as always. And Try your best not to get triggered by Mike Gundy uh, this holiday season. I will do my best. Saturday, my uh, wife and my mother-in-law are going over to like my wife's aunt's house or something, and they're doing Christmas candies and chocolates and stuff all day. So I'll be at my in-law's house with my father-in-law. We'll be kicked back watching the game. So hopefully um, I don't have to do too much yelling and cussing on Saturday. <laughs> Sounds good, man. We'll catch up with you next week. Have a happy holidays. We appreciate happy it. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>